A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Get in the long with a bunch of that human beings are demons. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. <laughs> There's probably a, a balance between I believe you have to know Christ, but God is in hell. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. <laughs> really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are God's by faith in his son. <laughs> Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 3.17, that's the Victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law. <laughs> Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. So put your trust in the sovereign risen king, who doesn't owe you one cotton picking thing. And yet he still promises to furnish his disciples, but we take what he's created and we turn him into idols. I'll never back down, so how can I keep it in? But you'll never see me preaching the sin of TBM. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 18 of The Master's Dog. I am your host, The Evangelical Norm. So today, I kind of, were a little late in the week because of the holiday and everybody's schedule seemed to be off. So, sorry we're a little late. This is coming out Saturday morning rather than Thursday, which it usually would, but I debated on whether or not I wanted to do like a marathon episode because there's a lot of things that uh, are going on right now have come out in the news and so on that I think all fit into the category of uh, attacks on God's word and God's truth. Um, so um, some stuff with Jackie Hill Perry, Benny Hinn, um, and so on, a few other things going on out there. Uh, people coming out of the closet as gay, all kinds of stuff. So, But I did decide that I'm just going to do a quick episode today and then maybe tomorrow evening we'll drop it Sunday morning. Um, a longer episode with a few of those other things or maybe just a series of episodes one after another uh, that we'll release and let go. Um, but today we're just going to deal with um, David and... Uh, saints unscripted and the faith and beliefs uh 
for this week and it's really nothing real crazy or real uh, controversial so this should be a pretty quick episode so that all being said let's go ahead and jump in and hope we don't get a YouTube ad maybe we need sound in this episode, we're going to be looking at another temple ceremony that Latter-day Saints consider very sacred. So please be respectful in your comments, and let's learn a little bit more about what we call the washing and anointing right. ordinance. Here's where I'm going to stop, and this is probably going to be the majority of what we deal with in this episode. And it's a whole issue of just because they hold it sacred, does that mean we need to be respectful? Now... I'm not going to come after David personally. I'm not going to throw out a homonym attacks. I'm not going to, because I have no issue with Mormon people. The followers of the faith, I have no problem with them. I do have a problem with the faith. I do have a problem with false teaching. And I don't think, and I think we have a biblical standard, that we don't need to be respectful of false teachings. We have, throughout Scripture... We have people who use sarcasm and so on in dealing with the false teachings of not only just absolute false prophets and, and uh, idols, but um, even just the, the poor teachings of uh, Christians or um, the Pharisees and so on. Paul, when, when dealing with the Judaizers and they were talking about people needing to be circumcised, he's like, why don't you just go ahead and just go all the way and castrate yourselves? Uh, you know, Jesus, when he made comments, he called people whitewashed tombs and, and so on, and not necessarily just attacking the individual, but the belief system. You know, he's like, here you are, you're, you're presenting this this picture of who who you uh, righteousness and so on, but in inside you're full of dead man's bones. You're full of false teaching. So and and probably the most um, well known one and most used is Elijah. If we go to First Kings eighteen, um, when he is dealing with the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel, and we see that. Um, you know, he, he's dealing with them, and I'm just looking it up here. I've got it. Um, so when they're calling out to their God uh, in the challenge that Elijah had given them, he starts to mock them and mock their God. Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is musing, or he's relieving himself, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. So he took their sacred beliefs and mocked them. And... Uh, I don't think it's a problem that we mock the false teachings or even just not respectful. Um, you know, the statement be, re be respectful would probably include not pointing out the fact that none of this is biblical. That would be disrespectful. He, I'm sure he would think. Um, and thus, the, again, when you're presenting a teaching like this that is obviously going to be um, challenged you can't just say well okay don't don't tell me I'm wrong I've, I've had people tell me that before you can't say I'm wrong well you're wrong so we have biblical evidence you know if you go to Proverbs 26 
where it talks about, it, I mean, it's the fine line between answering a fool according to his folly and not answering a fool according to his folly. Otherwise, you may seem just as foolish, or when you answer them according to their folly, you're, you're not allowing them to be wise in their own eyes. So we'll determine which direction we need to go with this as David uh, continues on. Now, technically, the washing and anointing is the first part of the endowment ceremony, which we talked about in a previous episode, but you'll find that we often refer to it as its own thing. This ordinance, like all others, has been revealed line upon line, a bit at a time, over many years. The process has been refined many times, but as the name implies, the gist is that the person participating in this ordinance is symbolically washed with water and anointed with oil. So, what he's saying is it has been changed. These things that supposedly have been revealed by God to his prophet, Joseph. Obviously, he revealed them flawed and they had to be fixed. This is called an initiatory ordinance because it prepares you for the rest of the endowment. The washing with water represents a cleansing, and the anointment is symbolic of being made holy. While this ordinance takes place, the person officiating over the ordinance blesses you along with several parts of your body. If you're a guy, the officiator is a guy. If you're a girl, the officiator we is We need a girl. to point out that that was not always the fact, and he neglects to tell you this. There was a point in time where men and women were both anointed and washed by other men. And this was a huge thing, and it was only um, over the last, within the last 40 years, I believe, um, I could be wrong on that, but it has not been that long that they have had women anointing women um, and men anointing men. There was a time where if you were a woman going into the temple, all of your private parts were touched and anointed by another man, and... Another thing is he's not going to tell you every different part that is anointed. Um, but it was loins and breast and so on. So if you were a woman, you had a man placing his hands in your genital area to anoint you, on your breasts to anoint you, and so on. Which is really cool because these women are technically using the priesthood, which normally only the men are authorized. Only the men are authorized to use. This is a this is an absolute contradiction in Mormon theology. Women cannot use the priesthood, and this was why at one point in time men had to be the ones doing the anointing, and then they changed it because of you know issues like sexual harassment and so on, um, and so now they have to uh, contradict their own theological teachings in order to allow women to use the priesthood which uh, in all of their scripture and teachings cannot happen. But I digress. It is after this ceremony that Latter-day Saints start to wear the temple garment as an outward symbol and reminder of the promises they make with God in the temple. The temple garment is that magic Mormon underwear you've heard about. Magic underwear. Magic underwear. What does it look like? We've talked about it multiple times on the show. It's not magic. Stop that. So what again, we, he, 
uh, reductio ad absurdum. He makes it the most absurd thing to breeze past this whole issue of there's nowhere scripturally where it says anything about wearing uh, covenantal underwear. Um, now the priests had to wear certain things, but that wasn't. It was only at certain times that they wore it. It was not a constant thing. This was something that Joseph Smith came up with that was related to the Masons. Again, there are Masonic symbols on these, and so on. And so, uh, we breeze past the fact that they do wear these uh, garment underwear. Um, but it, one, it's not a scriptural thing, and two, there are. A lot of stories out there. I heard them when I was a, a member of the magical or spiritual or protective properties um, that the garments had. They were there. There's a power, and and Mormons. Uh, I won't say all Mormons anymore because of the the neo Mormonism that is moving through. But Mormons from my day believed there was power within the garments have to do with Christianity? Nothing. And the answer is it has Nothing. everything to do with Christianity. The washing and anointing are referred to all over the place in Christian and Jewish history. In Exodus 40 we read, and thou shalt bring Aaron and his sons unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Only dealing with the priests. Wash them with water, and thou shalt put upon Aaron the holy garments, and anoint him and sanctify him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Similar scriptures appear in Exodus 28, 29, and Leviticus 8, also, many prophets and many kings are anointed with oil, usually initiating them into their role. A similar ordinance also shows up in many historic or pseudepigraphal works. By the way, I'm stealing a lot of this stuff from our friend Brett McDonald. Go check out his channel. Second Enoch 22. Go extract Enoch from his earthly clothing and anoint him with my delightful oil. We don't, we're, we don't concern ourselves with pseudepigraphy or apocryphal works. anointed me with holy oil and gave me a staff. The second washed me with pure water and put on me a holy and glorious vestment from a second century Jewish text whose name I cannot pronounce and Gabriel and Michael stand over them in that hour and wash them and anoint them with oil and heal them of the wounds of Gehenna and clothe them in beautiful and good garments if you've been through the temple read the rest of that the last quote we'll look at is from about 350 AD from a lecture given by Cyril of Jerusalem he's now a Catholic saint and for those who are familiar with the washing and anointing ordinance, you'll recognize this as significant. It's a bit long, but take a second to pause and read over this. It actually covers two different lectures um, and only partially mentioned in both of them. You'll notice that he mentions the mystical chrism, which is an anointing associated with baptism in the Catholic Church. It would seem that over time, the washing and anointing were merged with baptism, which is especially evident in the pre-baptism ritual outlined in the 1962 Catholic Sancta Missa, where we see similar blessings outlined. Okay, so now here's the deal. We have to talk about this. One, so he throws out the pseudepigrapha, apocryphal works that talk about these things, but nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere in what is recognized as canon in Orthodox Christianity, do we see any um, examples of this kind of activity happening in the temple for all believers. Again, this was only a priesthood thing. And when Christ died and rose, the priesthood was done away with. 
He is our great high priest forever. He's the only one who would ever need to be anointed ever again. And he is the anointed one eternally. So there's no need for this. And this does not show up anywhere. And so the thought that it merged into baptism, there are two sacraments. There's baptism and the Lord's Supper. Those are the only two sacraments that are recognized. Everything else is this extra stuff that is made up um, and is not necessary and cannot be founded in Scripture or in Orthodox Christianity. I would assume that at some point the early church understandably considered baptism to be the washing, but don't quote me on that. We also see other examples of anointing in Catholicism, so it's a fairly common practice used for a variety of purposes. Now one of the things many critics don't like about the Latter-day Saint washing and anointing is that for a long time the person being washed and anointed would be naked. Say what? What? And I'm with so again, you, there, you see the the ridiculing of it. The the we let's make it funny, so it's not that big of a deal. But it was a huge deal, and it had to be changed. These these eternal ceremonies that God supposedly revealed had to be changed, and that should not be um, the case. Lord's Supper hasn't changed. Baptism hasn't changed. These sacraments that we consider in Orthodox Christianity to be important and uh, uh, central to our faith don't change. We dunk, uh, well, I guess there are different forms of it, but the fact of the matter is baptism, Lord's Supper, doing so in remembrance of him. Mormons have changed all of this and added to and so on. So um, I can't really say baptism hasn't changed because we sprinkle and we so on and pedo and and credo but baptism is still the the uh, very central uh, sacrament to christian faith and these other things are not and so the fact that they had to change because of the controversial nature of the uh, anointings, people being naked again, and women were being anointed by men at the time. It wasn't just that, and, and he's failing to tell you that. So in essence, he is lying to you. He's not giving you all the truth. The, the time when people would be naked, everyone was anointed by a man. Super uncomfortable. It was never with anyone of the opposite gender. It wasn't. Some it was thing, but... with people of the opposite gender. Go back and ask. He literally just lied to you. Still, I get it. That said, the fact that that's how they used to do it doesn't bother me a whole lot because, as we've seen from these quotes anciently, in this or some other forms of anointing, you would have been naked. The good news is that you don't even have to worry about it because the ordinance has since been totally modestified you will see a total of zero naked people in Latter-day Saint temples. The washing is a symbolic washing, literally one or two drops of water and consecrated oil are used for this whole ordinance. There's not some old guy waiting for you with a loofah stick, I just want that to be clear. When you are washed and anointed as part of your own endowment ceremony, normally you proceed from this ceremony straight into the rest of the endowment, which we covered in this video. But again, the endowment, including the washing and anointing, is an essential ordinance for exaltation, which means we also do them vicariously 
for ancestors who have died but never had And people like Adolf Hitler and Eva Braun. Dead, which maybe you're more familiar with. That's a quick rundown of this ordinance. Check out the link All in the right, description. All right, so there we go. Uh, Washington's anointings. And I'm going to look into this a little more. I, I will say I could be wrong. I know at one point everybody was, was anointed and washed by men. I don't know when women became into it, and I'll find that out. And if I have to make a retraction or so on, I will. But I am very confident that at one point in time in this ceremony, men and women were anointed and washed by men, naked in front of these men. Um, and then at some point in time, they brought in women. And I think that was after the big change of all of it, where they were clothed and, and so on. So um, there's a lot of stuff that David left out. And if he, the things he didn't, he, they, he does what they do in Saints Unscripted. And they make it seem as ridiculous as possible so they can just breeze past it and not deal with the weightiness of these things. And ultimately, the, the biggest thing is when Joseph gave all of these things, he was, he was convinced and had convinced people that this was all eternal stuff that God had revealed and were and he was a prophet so everything was right why would God reveal things in a flawed way to who he was considered his be his prophet it makes no sense and it absolutely kills the credibility of Mormonism every time and what they're they're doing is they're trying to explain all these things away to try to maintain some credibility which they've absolutely lost Mormonism is a false religion, it is a false gospel, it follows a false God and a false Christ, and if you're in it, run. I have family members, and I hope they watch this, and I hope they get out, because it is a, it's a religion that cannot save you. If you go to the grave believing in the Mormon God, you will, you will open your eyes, and you will be stand in the presence of Christ, and he will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you, and you will be cast into hell. And so I'm asking, I'm begging, please come out from amongst them. Come out of the false religion. Come out of the false gospel. Come out of the deception and come unto Christ. Repent and put your faith in the true gospel, in the true Christ, who is the second person of the Trinity, co-eternal with the Father, came to earth, lived a perfect life, and died the sinner's death to pay the penalty for your sin, and it is by his work and his work alone that you can be saved. No ceremony in the temple can add to or uh, give exaltation or any addition to the salvation that Christ provides. And if you're, if you're our brother in Christ, a brother or sister in Christ, you're a Christian, um, then as always, go Preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They are necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm -hmm.